Amen. Good evening, everyone. Sounds like the mic is on. If you have one last prayer, pray for the uh, live stream over there. It's on autopilot. So hopefully God will keep his hand to it as, uh, as we preach tonight. So grab a Bible. Amen. If you're going to talk about God's Word, you better have God's Word in front of you. And uh, if you didn't bring your Bible, grab one from the pew. If you're at home, there's a lot of ways you can find a Bible. I trust you'll, you'll figure it out. We're going to be in James in the New Testament tonight, specifically James chapter 4. So I'm using the King James Version. Mine's on page 324, uh, James chapter 4. At home, uh, just find it if you could. It's right after Hebrews, right before 1 Peter. So it's pretty close to the end of the New Testament, pretty close to the back of the Bible. And uh, when you find it, what we'll do is we'll, we'll get started. So, amen. Pastor Phil asked me to preach, was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday. Either way. Monday? I had plenty of warning this time. <laughs> it's good. Um, I've been reading James lately, just here and there. It's funny because we have uh, a reading plan we're working through. I'm working through Isaiah right now and uh, just finished Judges. But I, I kind of went over to James just on a whim. And um, there's a lot in this book. There's a lot in this book of James. And you want to talk about conviction, you can find it here. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit of tonight. So this message is called From Joy to Heaviness. And uh, hopefully it won't get too heavy here, but it's going to get a little heavy. Okay? All right. James chapter 4. I'm going to read the whole chapter. 17 verses. I'm going to read the whole chapter. And then... Uh, We're going to see what the Lord has for us tonight. Amen. So follow along your Bible, James chapter 4. From whence came, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do ye think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth us, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and let your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother, and judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law, and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Go to now that ye say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the world will, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Amen. 
Let's open in a word of prayer. Uh, Father God, thank you for bringing us here tonight. Uh, those of us who can be here, those of us who are here able to watch online, Lord, whether they be close by and regular churchgoers or whether they be anywhere <laughs> tuning in, Lord, uh, we pray that your will would be done tonight, that you would speak through your word, that you would give us something to, to really resonate with us, Lord, that, that we could learn as we study. And that, Lord, the best thing that can come of us is to draw closer to you. And you say that as we do that, you will draw closer to us. And uh, I pray, Lord, that your will would be done tonight. Everything that you have ordained would, would come to pass and that you would just be a blessing to all of us who can hear this message and all of us who can uh, stay tuned in. Thank you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, the verse that I have to start with here, I'm actually going to work... I'm going to work from verse 14. James chapter 4, verse 14. This is a verse I knew way before I ever knew where it was in the Bible. Because <laughs> it's, it's just kind of a famous thing. But for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Why would God put that in the Bible? Why would he mention that your life is just a vapor? Why would he make that known? And the answer that I can come up with is your life is a very, it's a very precious thing but it's also a very short thing in the eyes of God. I mean, in, in the eyes of eternity, right? If you compare us to God, we're only here for a fraction of a second, basically. You know, maybe we live on this earth 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years. But what is that compared to God? It, it is literally nothing. That's the difference between God and our lifetime. So the reason I think God put this in here is he wants to, he wants to set the stage. And so much of the Bible can be understood by having a proper framework for what the stage is. You know, how small and insignificant are we to God? Really, really small. I mean, I'm pretty short, right? But I mean, I might as well be like a little ant compared to a human. I might as well be a little ant compared to the planet Earth. You know what I mean? God is so much bigger than us. It's not even a close comparison. So when he says your life is but a vapor, I mean, in the eyes of eternity... God could take just a mere breath, and your life is going to start, live out, and you're going to pass away. That's how brief this is, and we don't know when it's going to come to a close, okay? I want to give you an illustration, because I love doing it, and uh, this is something I, I, it came to me after reading the Word months ago, probably, probably six, seven, eight months ago, but I think it's relevant for this message, and it really applies to this verse here. Um, I want you to envision... Okay, envision a train station or like a subway station, okay? Underneath, underground, you know, no sunlight, nothing. You're just in this train station. It's really quiet. It's empty. No trains. You're sitting on a bench. There's maybe a couple other people just waiting. No trains in the station. And it's, no one's talking. Everyone's just somber, checking it out. And a train rolls up, okay? Train pulls into the station. And a lot of people get off. And you can tell that they're not there to sit in the station. They're there to just basically connect to another train. A lot of people get off. And they're, they're loud. They're rambunctious. They're maybe a little bit, maybe they've had a little too much fun, if you know what I'm talking about. They get off this train. They're hooting and hollering. They're being just almost belligerent. And they roll over to a connecting train. And they jump right on. And away they go. They're gone. And this train station... As you sit here, and as a couple other people sit here, the reason you're there is you're waiting for a train that you haven't seen ever. You know it's going to come. 
You have faith that it's going to come. You believe it's going to come. And these people, as you see them coming off trains and disembark and go about their night like they're going to go party or something else, you wish you could just reach out to them and say to them, hey, come here a second. I know you just got off of this train. I know you're about to jump on this, this next train, but come here and sit down with me for a second so I can talk to you a little bit. This train station is kind of like a slice of life because so many people are so focused on going from A to B to A to B. They never stop to think about where they're actually going, what they're doing, or where they're going to spend eternity. Yeah. And everyone in this train station that has the faith to sit there and wait for that train that's going to come eventually is waiting for a train that's going to take them to heaven someday. Okay? And you have these worldly goers that come in, they go out, they're here all the time, but they don't really ever get a chance to stop and think about where their soul is going to be in eternity. They don't think about their life. They don't think about what's going to happen when they die. They need someone who actually has a mind for these things to slow them down and say, hey, wait a second. You're just trying to go from here to here to here. You're trying to go from sin to sin to sin to sin. What are you doing? How are you spending your life? And your life is but a vapor. You don't have much time to get this thing sorted out. And this train station, when I had this thought, it just struck me as a place where we can have chance encounters with the world, with someone who maybe they sit next to you on a bus, maybe they sit next to you on an airplane, not these days, but maybe they, sit there, they, they work with you for a few weeks, okay? That's like someone sitting down with you at the train station. You have the chance to convince them, hey, you should maybe think about your salvation and where your soul's going to lie, okay? So I think about these things, and I think about being in this place, in a station like that. And it takes faith to stay there because you've never seen, none of us have ever seen heaven, right? We can read it described. We can read about it in the Bible. We know all of God's amazing promises. But until we see it and actually get there, it's not 100% real for us. We're walking and looking at it by faith, not by physical sight. So I think the world needs a wake-up call. And this message that I'm preaching tonight about joy to heaviness, this is mostly, honestly, and I don't mean to be selfish, but this is a message that I need, <laughs> which is why I'm up here talking about it. Because I've been, no secret, I've been a sinner my whole life. I've done many things that I shouldn't have done. And by the grace of God, he's been able to bring me, not out of it, you know, I, I still sin, I still stumble, but he's been able to bring me into a place where I have so much more clarity about what I'm doing. Amen. If you met me 10 years ago, it, like, if you know me from church, okay, so you've maybe known me for a year or two, you know me here. If you met me 10 years ago, you'd be like, no, that's not Brother Rob. That's, <laughs> that's not the guy from church who reads the Bible and uh, you know, talks and stuff. That's not him because you would not recognize me. And that's just a testament to how good God is, ultimately. But 10 years ago, things that tripped me up, I'm telling you, I was so taken with sin and so much with the world that I've realized now what it did to me. Look at, look at verse 17, James chapter 4. It says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. There's so much conviction there because the Bible is basically saying 
the more you know about what you should do, any deviation from that is sin. So it's almost as if once you know more, you're held to a higher standard, right? <laughs> so you, you wish you were oblivious about all these things because then God couldn't scrutinize every aspect of your life. But when I think of my own life and I think about where I am now and I analyze my life and I look at what, what struggles I have, what sins I have, it's, it's a lot less, thank goodness, than it was, say, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, because God put conviction on my heart. And look at this verse here to tie this together. Verse 9, be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Turn your joy to heaviness. You see, why do people sin? Why do they do it? It feels good for your flesh, right? That's about the only reason. You're, you're lusting after fame or pleasure or this or that. That's really the only reason. So when you sin, that's your, that's your joy. That's what you get from it. But God says, turn that to heaviness. Twist it around and look at it. Because what most people don't know and this was me 10 years ago, this is probably a lot of people in the world, when you're so enveloped in sin, when it is like day in, day out, it's just part of your routine, you live it, you breathe it, you become numb to it, and you don't even know that you're soaking in it, and you're wading in it, and you don't even know that your, your feet are basically anchored, you know, 10 steps to hell, because you don't recognize that what you're doing is a sin. That's how numb you can become to it. And the devil, Satan, he wants you to be there. The devil, Satan, he wants you to not feel any conviction ever. He doesn't want you to ever feel guilty about what you're doing. So if you spend a whole night, a whole month, a whole year just wallowing in sin, he doesn't want you to realize that that's a bad thing. And so the more numb you feel to it, the more dead inside you feel, you, you have no remorse. You can't jo turn your joy into heaviness because your joy just turns into just this mute, level of nothingness, you know? The Bible says when sin is fully conceived, it bringeth forth death. That's in James chapter 1. And if you think about being fully numb to sin, eventually that path, staying there, is going to lead to your demise. And there's no way to be more numb, to not feel anything, than to be totally dead, physically or spiritually dead. And the more you read God's Word, the more you draw close to God so he can draw close to you, he's going to put conviction on your heart. He's going to start to point out things in your life that maybe you didn't realize or maybe you just forgot that they were sin. Okay? Jesus called us to have faith like a little child. Right? And what do I know about children? They know when they've done something wrong. My puppy knows when he's done something wrong. Right? As a kid, I remember one day I was in... Uh, preschool or like daycare or whatever. I must have been four or five years old. I don't know if this was a sin, but I'm going to say it because I knew it was wrong when I did it. I found a, uh, a metal key, right? Like a little metal house key. I don't know what it was for, whatever. I crawled underneath one of the cots up against the wall and I found an outlet. And you know what I did with that metal key? I stuck it right in the outlet. And you know what happened next? Sparks were like flying everywhere. I was stunned. I pulled it out and I said, I don't even know what I said. I just started crying. 
instantly. I was unconsolable. You couldn't tell me anything was okay because it was like the scariest moment of my life up until that point. And I don't know if anyone even found me because I was just hiding under the cot, I think, for the rest of the daycare. But I was... I felt so guilty. I felt just awful about what I had done. And I don't know if that was a sin. You're a baby. You're exploring around a little kid, whatever. But that feeling of guilt, that feeling of conviction, if you do something that's a sin and you don't feel that, you're in a dangerous spot. You got your feet over the fire. Because when you sin, you should feel conviction within you. You should feel that heaviness. And if you don't feel it, you should take a step back and say, God, wake me up here. Let me understand what I'm doing and where I need to be. Because the more I spent time with the Word, the more I got back into reading it, the more I got back into coming to church, the more I got back into doing all the things that God would have me do, the more I realized how sinful my life was. And it was not good. I mean, I was... It's amazing that God has allowed us to continue as long as we have. You read in the Old Testament about how God got so mad to the Israelites as soon as they escaped Egypt, right? He's like, okay, we're going to take them to the promised land. As soon as they got out there, he was itching to basically just blow them up (laughs) because they were just that wicked. And how hard is it for God to stay his hand when his hand is going to deliver justice? His hand is going to give us what we deserve. But he prevents that. And the only way he can do that is because he loves us so much. Amen. Amen? So as I got back into following God a bit. Funny things started happening to me. When I would hear music on the radio, when I would hear whatever on TV, if I heard curse words, like things that actually I used to find funny, all of a sudden it kind of switched and they started to offend me here and there. And and literally, like, there were some things that I couldn't watch anymore, I couldn't listen to anymore. And these were things that 10 years ago I would have been all about it. I would have, you know, cracked a beer and said, all right, here we go. But the conviction of God will do that to you. And the conviction of the Holy Spirit can transform you. You know, I heard in a message today that God wants to give you a heart transplant. He wants to take that old sinful heart out of you and give you a new heart, a heart of flesh. That's what the Bible says. And when you sin, you should feel, you should feel heaviness. That's what God calls you to feel. I'm not saying you should feel that you're worthless and useless and all that. You know, certainly, before God, we don't have a ton of use, but God can use anybody. God can use broken people. God can use someone who's humble enough to admit that they're a sinner. When you can admit that and bring it to God, now he can work on you. And that's what he wants to do. The whole point of heaviness is to bring you to repentance, okay? Salvation is all about accepting what God did for us. Because God came down in the form of a man, Jesus Christ. Lived a perfect, sinless life. And he took it upon him, all the sins of the world, past, present, and future. And he died on a cross to pay that penalty. He did that for us. Right? That's what he did. And that's the only way that we're able to get out of this thing on the train that's going to go to heaven. Because if we're not on that train, if we're not saved, if we're not waiting in that train station for the right train, we're going where everyone else in the world is going. And that's hell. That's what God prepared for the devil and his angels. Unfortunately, he has to send sinners there who are unsaved. 
because that's justice. And it's, it has nothing to do with God being loving or kind or this or that. God is holy. His justice is an attribute that he possesses. He cannot be in the presence of sin. So the only way that we can ever be in the presence of God in heaven is for those sins to be washed away and forgiven. And that is only done by what Christ did on the cross. There is no other way. And people, they just don't want to face it. People do not want to be convicted of their sins. They don't want to feel that my lifestyle is wrong. My lifestyle needs to change. Well, listen, I'm not trying to tell you to change your lifestyle because I need to tell myself to change my own lifestyle. The Bible calls you to spend time in the Word, see what it says, and it's a mirror that's going to tell you about your own soul. It's going to do the convicting for you because as you read it, it's going to bring all that heaviness to bear. But think about where you stand right now. Think about some of the things that you do, maybe some of the things that you really enjoy. Are they getting you closer to God, or are they bringing you further away from God? Because almost any action you take can only do one or the other, right? I know, you know, we go to work, we study, we do all these things, we obey our parents. But in your free time, when you're alone, okay, if you're doing things that if the world saw, you'd be embarrassed, well, think about how God feels. And whose opinion matters, the world or God's? He's the one that can judge you. He's the lawgiver. He's the only one that can give salvation or destruction. If you're going to be in the right place with anything, be in the right place with God because your soul depends on it. And for me, my walk with the Lord, a lot of what's helped me lately is to identify what causes sin in my life and start to work on that a little bit. Look in verse, verse 7, James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know where sin starts? Let's say it's a, a physical action you finally do. That's your sin. Okay. But where does it start? It starts up here. Right. It starts in the mind. And when you start letting your thoughts run wild and you start dwelling on the wrong things, that is what leads to your sin. So when he says, resist the devil, he's not talking about once you get to step eight and you're <laughs> a knife's edge away from doing the thing you don't want to do. He's talking about your mind. Right. Resist the devil up here. If you feel that you're being tempted to do something you know you shouldn't do, pray about it. Put your thoughts somewhere else. You need to stop it in its tracks there, or else it's just going to go and get worse and worse and worse. And if you think you can dance around it and not get burned, you are gravely mistaken. I've learned that lesson way too many times. There is no force in your flesh strong enough to resist sin. When it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But if your mind and your spirit are in the right place, you can do exactly what verse 7 says. You can resist the devil, and the devil will flee from you because the devil has no power. The devil celebrates when he gets one person, one Christian, to fall into sin, even for a few minutes, an hour, a season. But the devil can't take away your salvation. The power of what God did through the blood of Christ is so strong that nothing can take that away from you. And for me, I could 
make it to heaven by the skin of my teeth, <laughs> with the hairs on my back and on my neck and on my head burned from being that close and dancing with sin my whole life, and I'll still make it. But that's not what God has for us. God wants to perpetually prepare you for eternity. And all the things of this world that you might love or maybe you loved in the past that aren't really good for you, but your flesh loved them, you're going to have to give them up someday anyway. This is something I, I came to a conclusion when Justin and I were having a fast. Thank you. It was really, it was eye-opening. But I said, you know what? Like, food that I like and this and that, I mean, there's probably not going to be cheesesteaks in heaven. I don't know. It may, <laughs> I'm getting booed. I'm going to be, I better watch my back tonight when I go home. I think I'm having a cheesesteak for dinner anyway. But listen, the, the point is, your flesh and what satisfies your flesh is not what God wants for you. God wants to satisfy your soul. And there's no, I think there's no feeling of peace. There's no greater feeling of peace than you could have by just being in the Word and being so content that you don't feel the need to sin anymore. And I don't think we'll ever get there in this life. Can any of us become like Jesus and just be, oh, we're free from sin, we've conquered it. I don't know if God wants you to get all the way there because then what do you need Him for? You you become self-righteous, you become a Pharisee, you'd think you were all that. But I tell you, sanctification says you can reduce how much you sin, and little by little, you can get better. You can make a lot of strides. And I'm just, I'm amazed when you see people that have been saved, and you check back in on them, and it doesn't go this way for everybody, but if you check back in on them a year, two years, three years later, you'd be amazed at some of these heart transplants that God is pulling off, and the way he's using these people for a purpose that you didn't ever think that he could actually do, Right? God will do things that will shock you, and God will show you amazing testimonies. He'll give you an amazing testimony, and he wants to do it, but you have to be willing. You can't just pray, hey, God, let me stop sinning today, and it's going to happen. It doesn't work like that. You have to have true repentance from joy to heaviness. When you sin, if you fear God when you sin, you should feel thankful that he's not smiting you on the ground right there. I mean it. I mean, you should feel that, that guilt, that wrongness that a little child would feel. That's where God wants you to be. And it's not, it's not like you should be just feeling guilty all the time. That's not what God wants for you. But he wants you to recognize what you can work on and take little steps for it. And I'm so thankful he's done that with me because if he hadn't have woken me up I've been saved most of my life, but I've only been, I'd say, walking with the Lord for a couple of years now. If he hadn't have done the amazing things he did to get me back, who knows where I'd be? And I don't want to be that guy standing in line in heaven that everyone looks at and says, how'd he get here? How'd she get here? You don't want to be that person. Prepare yourself now, because this life is even a vapor. When you think about that, you ever look forward to something like a vacation or this or that, and you think, oh, it's six months away, oh, it's four, four years away, it's four months away, it's two weeks away. Well, guess what happens? It's there before you know it, and then it's over before you know it, and you're back to work. And that, that magical week of vacation that you look forward to, it goes by super fast, and it's done. And that's what this life is. Before you know it, you're going to be on your deathbed. Or you're going to be in a situation where you see your life flashing before your eyes. That is going to be here before you know it. Maybe that's in a year. Maybe that's in 20 years. Maybe that's in 30 years. I don't know. But time is going to pass by like a vapor. That is a promise. Ask anyone 
who's an elder or mature who's had a, a nice life, and you ask them when, when you're young, hey, uh, I'm glad I'm so young. They're going to say, you're going to be my age before you know it. <laughs> you have no idea how fast life is going to pass you by. When I have my son, my son's 11 months old, people say to me, are you going to blink and he's going to be graduating high school? And it sounds crazy, but why would everyone say it except if it were true? And it's in the Bible, so you know it's true. Life is even but a vapor. So God says, don't wait two years, five years, ten years, and get right with God. You get right with God now. Because if you don't do it now, when you're at least being told to, you don't know if you're going to get another chance. When you pass through that, that train station, you're going from this train of party into that train of party, and then someone on that bench is saying, hey, why don't you come here and talk to me about your soul? Maybe you should listen to that person. Because who knows if you're going to get another chance to actually have that conversation. Are you ever going to sit down and stop what you're doing in your life enough to look at the Bible and say, what does God want from me? God Almighty, who created everything, who created every life form on this planet, what does he want from me? Why am I here? What is my purpose? The answers are in this book. And the answers are with anyone who's been saved that can tell you how it works. And all you need to do is just stop and acknowledge it. Acknowledge that you are not the maker of your own destiny. You don't get to select where you go when you die, except you put your faith in God who's going to take you there. Jesus Christ lived as a man, lived a sinless life, the Son of God. And he paid the penalty. He was killed and, and sacrificed for us. God did that so that we could have a relationship with him. That was the whole purpose, because God needed a way to reconcile the people that he loved back to him. And there was no way, and there is no way, that any of us can get to heaven on our own merit. It cannot happen, will not happen, has never happened, will never happen. The only way you will ever get there is by putting your faith on the Lord Jesus Christ and by putting your faith on what he did on the cross. So if you need to get right with God, I'm telling you it's time to do it because you may not know if you will ever have another chance. We're going to pray a prayer. I'm going to give an invitation. And maybe you're already saved, amen, and you just feel that you need to work on a few things here and there. That's great. You know what? God convicted me a lot this week. <laughs> I've been trying to walk the tightrope, as I call it, because it feels that way. It feels like any second I'm going to slip off into sin, but I'm trying. And... Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you just need to figure out how to hold on to God's hands and lean on him for strength. But maybe you need to get saved. Maybe you've never accepted the fact that Jesus Christ lived and died to pay the penalty for you. That is, in fact, what happened. Only God could live the perfect life for us because the penalty for sin had to be paid, and Jesus paid it on the cross for us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for loving us enough to spare us and to give us away through your grace that we might be saved, Lord. We're born in this life. We live a short time, even as a vapor, and then we pass away. But Lord, we have a choice to make because when we pass away, we're either going to head to be with you in heaven or we're going to head to be eternally separated from you in hell. And the only way we can be with you, Lord, is to be shed of our sins. And the only way that we can be shed of our sins is to accept that you paid that price for us. By Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, living as a man, dying on the cross,
taking the sin of the world upon him, that was the moment that sin could now be paid for. And if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, then you make it right between you and God. If you feel convicted that your life is not headed in a good direction, you don't know where you're going to be down the road, you don't know what pathway you're on, but you know it's not good, God's trying to get your attention. And you can, you can turn it to him right now. Just say, Father God, I realize I'm a sinner. I feel that the joy of the world, Lord, is actually heaviness. It's convicting my soul. I feel remorse for the things I've done, and I know I haven't lived a perfect life. And God, I, I believe that you did come down to this earth as Christ, as Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life. And Lord, I accept that you did that to me, because you, that you did that for me, because you love me. And you wanted me to have a way to be reconciled to you. And Lord, I'm thankful that you did it. I believe it with all my heart. I accept it. And I just ask that you take me to heaven when I die. I don't know what kind of things you're going to do in my life, Lord. But I know that your way is the only way that avoids the penalty I rightfully should serve. And that, that prayer, that prayer of salvation, that's all it takes to get yourself started on the right path. Don't go into a life of sin. And if you're in a life of sin, don't let it be where you stay. Because God has something better for you. A place where there is no sorrow, no more tears, no pain, no suffering. A place where you can truly experience joy on God's level. And that is the kingdom of heaven. It's the only place we will ever see that and experience that. And I thank you, Lord, that you've given us such an amazing gift and that you've held your hand, Lord, stayed your hand of justice to give us the chance to choose you. Lord, those of us who are saved that want to work on things, I pray that you would give us strength to do so. Help us to understand when we need to take a step back, when we need to resist so that we can stop that sin before, before it gets out of hand, Lord. And just forgive us for what we do, Father, because... Left to our own devices, we would not end up anywhere well. But with you, we can find grace, we can find mercy, we can find love, we can find salvation. And I thank you for the church. I thank you for everything you do, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.